You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign, the pitch is swung on a miss, throw to second base, strike him out, throw him out, double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. We do welcome you in. It's time for another edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. We come your way from Jupiter, Florida and Cardinals Spring Training. Claibs, great to see you. There's been a lot going on this week. It's good to see you as well. We're here in the sun. We're having a good time and we're taking in some baseball. And guess what, Matt? The next time we talk, mm-hmm. we, would, we would have games under our belts. And, and uh, it, it's fun initially but after a while you get tired of watching guys play catch i want to see somebody playing against somebody in a different uniform yeah it's funny because there's only five six days of full squad workouts before the grapefruit league uh, schedule begins but that feels like a long five six days you're right man (laughs) it it seems like an eternity man and and and, you know the funny thing about it is we watch batting practice and they have the pitch clock going and it seems like it takes forever and uh, But we don't have to worry about that after Saturday. We'll have games from that point on. But so far, so good. Nobody's hurt. Uh, we only have one guy who's rehab. We have two guys. We have uh, Tommy Edmond and uh, Packy Norton, guys who are a little slower as far as recovery is concerned. But everybody else seems like they're ready to go. There's only so much you can accomplish when you're facing your own guys. And it's part of the process, but we hear Oliver Marmel talk so much about, I want to see this guy, I want to see this guy, I want to see this guy. What he's not saying is, I want to see this guy in game action, because you can only learn so much about a guy standing in, in you know, in, in the batting practice shell. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think, though, this year's camp is just a little different because we have so many different pitchers, new pitchers that we haven't seen before whether it's Sonny Gray or Kyle Gibson or, or it, well, we've seen Lance Lynn before. But we have a lot of guys who are working for a bullpen spot that we haven't seen before. And I think that's what makes it a little bit more interesting. But, again, the process comes down to them playing against other people and seeing how that works out. But, you know, I really like the pitching that I've seen in a very limited, small sample size that uh, – certainly better than what we saw last year. We've talked about this a lot, but when you really start doing the math, there's five guys in the bullpen who have jobs. So there's three jobs up for grabs. You got maybe eight guys going after that three. Then you have Matthew Libertor uh, and Zach Thompson, guys who we don't even kind of consider in that group of eight who could end up swooping in and getting one of those jobs. It's going to be tough for any of these guys. There's going to be guys with big league time who are not going to win some of these final jobs. Oh, you're right. And that means, but I've, I've said this to you before, I think this pitching staff is an 18-man pitching staff uh, because you're going to have five guys who you're going to be using coming up and back from Memphis. Um, and maybe they go in a direction, and uh, I'll even mention the fact that they're taking the best guys who are pitching well. So I know people would say, well, can you have Thompson and Libertor on the same roster? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Libertor has made that change, that adjustment, where I think he's big league ready now. I think he's the guy 
that when Tampa drafted him as a first-round pick, he's now matured into maybe being a first-round guy with good stuff. His velocity is up. His breaking ball, he seems like he has better control of. And physically, he looks different as well. Uh, Zach Thompson is just going to go out there and get it done. So I wouldn't be shocked if both those guys are on the roster. It, it would be, be left-handed heavy. But you know what? Now we have the reverse splits, and you can get lefties out like you can get righties out. So we'll see. It's going to be very competitive. The murkiness of that situation is those guys are being stretched out as starters. There's a possibility you're going to need a sixth starter uh, when the season gets started. You are going to need a sixth starter at some point in the year. If you put those guys in the bullpen, all of a sudden they're not stretched out. We've seen the Cardinals send guys to Memphis just to keep them stretched out, even when maybe they're better than somebody in the bullpen. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but it's it's not clear by any stretch of the mind. No, and that's why innings are important here in spring training. Um, and I agree with you with regard to stretching guys out, and you're going to need them. I think any other year, if you didn't have veterans like Gray, Lynn, Michaelis, Gibson, all guys who want the ball, I mean, they, these guys are innings eaters. If you had the staff from last year, it would have been perfect to have those guys come in and be part of what we would call six-man rotation. I think these guys that we have who are veterans, they'll push back on having an extra day. They, I think they want to pitch on a regular regular schedule, and we'll see how that works out. I don't think any of us would want to see that conversation where Sonny Gray's called in the office and said, hey, we're going to give you an extra day between I starts. Don't I don't want to be around for that one. You've been around Sonny Gray, as have I, and he's a guy that's very direct and very frank and honest about things, whether it's baseball or traffic in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, you know where you stand with him. And, and I think the fact that he's earned that right to be heard when you think about his career and what he's done as far as his career is concerned, he's earned that right to have a voice in the room. The favorite thing I've seen so far from him is uh, they got done with a workout the other day and he walks up to Nolan Arenado. And Nolan might be the greatest defensive third baseman who's ever played the game. He's at least in the conversation. And Sonny goes, hey, have you ever have you ever thought about doing this drill? Have you ever thought about doing it? If, if he's willing to go up to Nolan Arenado because he sees something that maybe can be done a little bit differently, he's willing to go up to anybody. No, you're right. And uh, for a guy who he just probably met, Early in the week, yeah, that's that's that he has a set on him. I, I give him credit for that, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm impressed with him. But you know what? And, and you've been around these guys; uh, they all are, are different. Uh, Kyle Gibson is a, a delightful person to talk to about pitching. I had a chance to visit with Lance Lynn earlier today. They all bring something different, but they all are very confident in their conviction about who they are and, and what they can do to a ball club and with a ball club and I'm anxious to see it unfold I'm I'm sick of talking about clubhouse culture and, and all those sort of things but unfortunately that storyline isn't going away until the season gets started uh, there were some comments made this past week about young guys in the in the clubhouse last year and how they kind of overrun it 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 just feels like I don't last Last year was my first full year back around this team, so it, it's hard for me to talk about it. But, man, it just the clubhouse culture or the clubhouse feeling, the vibe is probably the right word. It feels different now than it has even even in spring training last year. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And, and obviously, we're, we're limited to our time in the clubhouse. Um, and for our listeners, you know, the, 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 the smart players don't even come around when the, our lot of time is taking place. They just sit in the back room and eat and talk or do whatever they're doing. So we don't really experience it as much as we used to. But with that said, there are some guys who I, I think probably need a little bit more guidance uh, in how they do things and how they prepare. 
And uh, that's why we've kind of overhauled the clubhouse to a point where we have some experienced guys, including Matt Carpenter, uh, who, who understands what it takes to be ready to play and be committed. And that's something that I don't think we had enough of last year because guys were like volunteering to take time off and I can't go today or I got an ouchie or I got a boo-boo or whatever. Uh, I don't think that's going to be accepted as much as it was last year. Something I've noticed just walking around, there's a lot of talking going on between people that maybe you wouldn't think would be best pals and whether you know from different generations whatever it might be it just seems like this group is connected and if one guy sees something that can help out another guy that conversation is happening pretty much in the moment no you're right uh, they're not they're paying attention to detail and if they see something they they talk about it compared to just sitting on it like i think we saw last year and, and that's a big difference maker uh guys are they want to get on it early and they want to stay on it to make sure that it doesn't come back to haunt them in, in down the road. And I, and I like that approach. Has the weather finally shifted to where it's going to be warm here moving forward? I have one word, hallelujah. That's it, hallelujah. Hey, by the way, while we're talking, um, the Cardinals announced the Hall of Fame ballot for, for the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Steve Carlton, George Hendrick, Matt Morris, and Edgar Renteria. Uh, all interesting guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see George Hendrick go in. I don't know if he'd show up for it because he didn't show up for anything else. Steve Carlton has come around just a little bit over the last couple of years. I, he came to the booth a couple of years ago to see Mike Shannon. Uh, Matt Morris was a bulldog. He was a really tough competitor. And Edgar Renteria was one of the most underrated players that ever put a Cardinal uniform on. I mean, this guy flat out could hit. He's a very good defender. He might be the second-best shortstop we've had around here in a long, long time. Uh, when you think about Ozzie and then you think about all the other shortstops who've come through St. Louis, he might be the, the second-best. We have a guy now, though, that might want to take that job in Mason Wynn because he's doing a lot of things right so far. You can make the argument for any of those guys. The, the only pushback people are going to have is on Carlton because a lot of his stuff was done not as a Cardinal. Right. But that all four of those guys, you can make an easy argument should be in. No, you're right. Uh, and I don't think people gave George Hendrick enough credit, not only as a player, but as a mentor. You ask Ozzie and Willie and some of those other guys who played with him, and uh, they'll tell you some, some great George Hendrick stories. And I got to know George, as you know, he never talked to the media. But we, we would talk. I just wasn't interviewing him. And he was a fascinating guy. Uh, and maybe one of the funniest guys I've ever been around. He was, he was a very good practical joker and kept the clubhouse loose. And when George talked, I'll tell you a quick story. Cardinals were playing uh, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Soto was the pitcher. He had one of the best change-ups I've ever seen. He had no hitter going. No hitter, ninth inning, two out, two-strike count on George Hendrick. And he throws at George for some reason. George falls down. It's a hot day in Cincinnati. He picks his helmet up, and it's got mud in it now from the dirt. The next pitch he hit off the facade at Old Riverfront Stadium. He gets back in the dugout, and everybody, he breaks up the no-hitter, obviously. And he says, I was going to let him have it until he made me mad. (laughs) (laughs) And guys could not stop laughing. And I got to know George when he was a coach in Tampa. And George, there was a player that was going to be a free agent, and he told that player, he said, if you get a chance to be a free agent and the Cardinals come after you, you might want to go there because that's a great place to play. Mm -hmm. The guy 
didn't come here because of the team that signed him spent $30 million more than what the Cardinals were offering. The Cardinals made him a very healthy offer. And it didn't work out. A guy ended up being just an average player. But the bottom line was George Hendrick was always a Cardinal with regard to his, his time he had here. It's a great story. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We'll take a break. Come back with more in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on KMOX. This is the countdown to opening day show here across the Cardinals radio network alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We are in Jupiter, Florida, home of Cardinals spring training. We are indeed counting down to opening day, the first spring training game. It's going to be coming up on Saturday. They're actually playing a split squad game, two split squad games, and uh, you'll be able to uh, hear one of them across the Cardinals radio network. Bush Stadium's newest all-inclusive experience pays tribute to the legendary career of Albert Pujols. The Budweiser 703 Club features an open field view of the game, a full-service bar, upscale food selections, and more. For tickets or details, visit cardinals.com slash 703club. Mike Claiborne earlier this week got the opportunity to talk with Cardinals pitching coach Dusty Blake, and the first thing that they discussed was uh, what Dusty Blake thought of uh, his first year in that lead pitching coach role. I think you always try to find ways to grow and adjust. Like, nobody ever gets this thing completely figured out. So, you know, the unique thing about last year is, yeah, we had to work through a lot of challenging times, but you do learn a lot about not only the guys you're working with, but yourself and better processes and you know, things are going to continue to be a challenge for any team. And so the better prepared you can be the next time those challenges come around, the better off you're going to be in the long run. You have a lot of new pitchers on the staff this year, and I'm of the belief that it's really going to be more of an 18-man pitching staff because you're going to have some guys with big league experience that you may be moving up and down from the minors. Tell me about some of the guys you're seeing for the first time and who's caught your eye. Yeah, I, I, I like all of them, candidly. Uh, they, they all have one or two things that they do that are distinctly unique. Uh, you know, all the, the guys we're familiar with, the uh, Sonny Grays and the Lance Lins and the Kyle Gibsons, just <laughs> ultimate professionals. They know who they are. They've got a plan. They've got a couple things that they want to focus on during the sp- spring, and, you know, we'll be on top of those things with them. But, yeah, the, the newer faces that uh, – you know, even Kittredge is going to be another, you know, guy that's been around at Middleton. Those, those guys are all experienced. They've got time in the league, and they've done it in high-leverage situations. Some of the newer names, the Robertsons, the O'Briens, uh, guys like that have, have certainly been what we've expected when we've seen them out there, um, have been able to, to demonstrate some of the qualities we've seen either through video or through some of the data that's come through. And, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's been great just watching those guys come out and, and compete. And then we certainly still have some younger talent in our org that we're excited to see. You mentioned video. I know you watch a lot of video in the offseason because with so many new faces and new arms and new pitchers, you've got to learn a little bit on the fly as well. So how do those conversations go for you when you first get a chance to meet some of these guys for the first time? Yeah, really, to, to hit the ground running, it, those conversations had to happen over December and, and January. So with all these guys, we jumped on a Zoom, we jumped on a couple calls. Uh, my, my biggest goal is to hear where they're at, what they think, what they've worked on, what's worked, what hasn't for them, learn how to speak their language a little bit from a sense of what's important to them. and following that you know what helps with zoom is you kind of see each other face to face so you know the first call Kittredge and I jumped on was supposed to be 30 minutes and I looked up and it's an hour and 10 minutes later and we're just talking through different things related to pitching and just kind of enjoying that part of it so it's it's good because once you learn how guys like to communicate the things that are important to them it, it becomes a little more efficient in getting to that that end goal where you want to be on the same page and in lockstep with what we're seeing learning that's a great word to use because you're learning them they're learning you terminology and each guy's different i would imagine with regard to what you talk to them about and what you leave alone from a mechanic standpoint how involved do you try and get involved with regard to guys just learning about them yeah i mean mechanics are obviously what's happening as you know before ball release or before you know ball flight so you, you have to be on the same page there uh, everybody has a track record of what's worked for them and what hasn't you know, the unique thing that we're trying to continue to integrate more and more is using our sports performance department to really help overlap what we're seeing. I know traditionally in, in the pitching world, you see something with a guy's mechanics, you try to fix it right there on the mound. Uh, we candidly believe that you can train movement in a lot of different environments. And so, yeah, it's great to address it on the mound, but if we can hit that another two or three times in the weight room and some of their movement pattern, warm-ups and their cool down like there's a lot of layers we can add to how a guy's using his lower half what he's doing on a single leg and if we can integrate those things on top of being aware of their movement assessments and if we have more restriction or constraints related to their you know internal rotation of their hip or their front hip front like whatever it may be we can we can really identify what's causing these changes that aren't ideal is it a focal point uh, is it something that their body's fighting them back on because some range of motion has been lost, or is it just something we need to pattern more, not just on the mound, but across the board and the other things they're doing on the day-to-day? -day? Cardinal pitching coach Dusty Blaker is our guest, and when you look at the guys you have on this ball club, they all bring something different. What's the one thing that you try and come together with for all of these guys other than throwing strikes? Yeah, well, I mean, we – I think you, you want to have culture and part of that within a staff is like do we care about each other and do we care about what we're trying to do and so if we have those two things and we're speaking and we're communicating uh, that really gives us a chance to stay not only connected when it's going well but when you're when you're fighting some of the tough uh, games and, and windows that happen ultimately for any team during the course of a season if you have those through the two boxes checked, then it's a lot easier to reconnect with our anchor and our system or our process and, and really get back into it. So if we care about each other and we're locked in on what we're trying to achieve, we understand each other better. We know that we're fighting for the same things. We know it's not always convenient, but the more we can help ourselves stay on path, the better. The game has changed a little bit since you first got in the business. We used to go from keeping the ball low on the zone to now we look for swing and miss. Uh, what's been the biggest change you've seen since you've been in the game of baseball, not just on the pro level, but certainly on the amateur as well? 
Yeah, I think the the level of talent and I mean when you think about you know even you, know, you think about starters and yeah they're they're getting less innings but a lot of that's because these middle relief guys are so good. I mean every team right now has five or six guys that could be legitimate closers for any other team. So you've just been able to continue to evolve. We've been able to continue to evolve from the developmental side. Guys really keying in on what works for them, finding a way to reinforce that and do it more. Uh, that, that's where some of the integration between the art of helping guys connect with what they want to do and then the science of it confirming the things that we feel like we see with our eyes and what we see in the game has really helped accelerate just developmentally what pitchers are doing to be successful. The weapons of choice. We went from having guys throw 100 miles an hour, then we had the cutter, then we had the slider. Now the sweeper seems to be in vogue these days. Tell everybody what the sweeper actually does and what, it, what would it be similar to? So, yeah, I mean, there have been guys over the history of the game that have thrown this pitch called a sweeper. Uh, one thing I like about our approach to it is if, if it fits what a guy does, we're going to incorporate it. We're going to promote that with him. If it doesn't, we're not going to force that uh, on top of him. Same thing a couple years ago, like you mentioned, velocity and fastballs at the top of the zone. I think you saw some orgs just fully sell out and say, we're going to teach everybody a fastball at the top of the zone. or We're going to teach everybody a sweeper now. You know, we're really going to try to identify what these guys do well and help them become great at it and if that's part of it then absolutely we'll lean into it but a sweeper you're pretty much going to see a pitch that it's almost like a horizontal curveball you're going to see the shape of it happen a little bit sooner than your traditional slider and you're going to see it move a little bit more some people call it that frisbee action again there have been plenty of guys over the course of this game you think back to yeah, I mean, th- th- we've seen this pitch. So I think for, for guys that have been involved with the game or watched Major League Baseball, you, you know it's nothing new how we're evaluating it, how we're trying to teach more guys to have that type of movement. It's a bigger horizontal sweep, if you want to call it that, and guys can create a grip and use something called seam-shifted weight to catch this ball in its flight to really help it push more horizontally compared to a standard slider uh, that maybe have been more common a few years ago. Now I know why it's hard to hit because it's hard to explain. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I wish it was a more there was a more simple way, but yeah, candidly, it's it's a horizontal curveball. That's probably the easiest way to share it. Dusty Blake, it's always good to visit with you. Best of luck this season. And also, uh, we know we're having a good year when I don't see you coming out of the dugout. You and me both. <laughs> Claves, Dusty, thank you. Dusty Blake, the Cardinals pitching coach, joining us here across the Cardinals radio network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show. We've got much more on the way here on the Cardinals radio network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King OX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Hawley. Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosting the only official St. Louis Cardinals pregame party with a two-and-a-half-hour DJ-hosted all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink event before every home game. Tickets are on sale now at cardinals.com slash pregame. One of the prospects that Cardinals fans are most interested in is Thomas Sejaci. Sejaci came over at the deadline last year. All he did was win a Texas League batting title, and he's someone who certainly 
could account for uh, some big league time before this season comes to an end. Seems likely that it won't happen right at the beginning of the season, but still he is in big league camp. It's his first opportunity to be in spring training with the Cardinals. I caught up with him earlier in the week, and uh, I just asked him what it was like for him walking into uh, the Cardinals clubhouse for the first time. It's been really, really pleasant, really nice experience. Big league camp is really fun, and just being around all the guys that you know, people who have a lot of service time and a lot of experience just in the big leagues is pretty cool and just trying to learn learn from them and watch what they do. I know you met a lot of folks at winter warm-up, but you didn't meet everybody. What's it like for you as a new guy in the organization walking into a room like this and getting to know some of these people for a first time? It's really cool. It's really um, a really neat experience. could be like a little, you know, walking into a clubhouse with, not knowing anybody is a little, I guess, uncomfortable at first, but then once you start getting to know everybody and just learning what kind of people are in this clubhouse, it's it's really nice and really a good time. Is this pretty much the same? Like, do the Cardinals do anything different? Does it feel very similar to what you've done previously in spring? Um, yeah, it feels like pretty much the pretty much the same thing. Honestly, stretch. I mean, we've, we're only two days into the spring, but for the most part, it's pretty similar, pretty similar schedules and, and uh, yeah, nothing too crazy. It went borderline viral on social media. You were doing some work with uh, Ozzie Smith. What's that like for you when you got a Hall of Famer who's there and he's able to uh, kind of give in to you? Oh, it's really cool. You know, that's, I think, kind of my goal in big league camp this year was just to try to pick as many brains as I can and that's always my goal if I can learn from the best you know he's the best shortstop ever so why am I not gonna go out and try to learn some things from him um and it's really really a cool thing that he's he's willing to share some of his knowledge and take the time out of his day to come help someone like me so yeah another guy in the organization who works with infielders is Jose Aquindo what's been your experience with uh with him so far I'm sure he's worked out a little bit yeah I love Chael I anybody who has that sort of experience and that amount of time playing at the highest level is somebody that I really want to learn from and um it's different you can tell the instruction is is different because it's more of knowledge like they know what they're talking about that's all we got with thomas and jc we uh, our interview was actually cut just a little bit short we were in the cardinals clubhouse and he's been doing a lot of early work and he got called out for some uh, early work right there so uh, we let him go but certainly some great stuff for him and we appreciate him taking a few moments with us we'll take a break and continue on with the program in just a moment it's the countdown to opening day show on the cardinals radio network When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Welcome back into the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. We continue to come your way each and every week leading into opening day, which is just uh, a few weeks away, a little bit more than a month away. Of course, uh, this weekend is the start of Grapefruit League play. So Cardinals baseball will be back on your radio or however else you happen to listen. Uh, something I do on my local show that I wanted to do here on Countdown to Opening Day as well is go through the daily audio from Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. He speaks with us on an everyday basis uh, on just a few different topics seemingly every day and wanted to go through some of what uh, he had to say Earlier in the day, there's been a lot of discussion about what it's going to look like for the Cardinals at shortstop, and also that's connected to center field because in a perfect world, Mason Wynn is your everyday shortstop and Tommy Edmond is your everyday center fielder. Wynn still has something to uh, to show after he struggled offensively at the end of the season last year, and Edmond is not fully healthy. So if there's a situation where you need somebody else to play shortstop, it's still not clear what that's going to look like. Let's start, though, at the shortstop position and uh, who they want to have there in Mason Wynn. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel saying that during spring training, they don't really have any set production that they need to see from Wynn just for him to be able to make the club. If you look at last year's spring, he had a really productive spring offensively. Like he took some really good at bats. He used the whole field. He showed some gap to gap power. Like just his game awareness was pretty good, especially for his age. So it's not so much like he's got to come out here and have a certain OPS or anything like that as much as taking steps in the right direction offensively and start to carry out some of the things that Turner and him are working on into the game. So it's not just performance from a number standpoint. Legendary shortstop Ozzie Smith has been in camp. Of course, Jose Oquendo always working with infielders. And Marmel is really happy that uh, Wynn gets the opportunity to work with people like that. It's important to us. We have that luxury as a organization to have those guys around. So for him to just be able to sit there and have casual conversations about the game with Ozzy and, and, and Chael, I mean, that's, that's important. Um, it's one thing to go out there and actually work on stuff, but to be, just have those conversations and some of the experiences that they've had and how they dealt with failure and struggles, and uh, it's, it's awesome. Again, if everything goes to plan, according to plan for the Cardinals, you're going to have Mason Wynn as your everyday shortstop. You're going to have Tommy Edmond as your everyday center fielder. When Wynn needs some time off at shortstop, Edmond can come in, and you've got Dylan Carlson on the roster who can certainly go out and play center field. So that's what it looks like. It's maybe a little bit complicated than just the way I stated it. And Marmel did say that they're still kind of navigating what it looks like specifically with Edmund being able to play center field and shortstop. We're having that conversation daily right now just amongst our staff. Um, what's best, right, to, for Eddie to be able to know I'm playing center and really focus on that position. Um, but there are situations where he's going to have to pop in and play short just from a, what's our best defense overall is probably if Mason – is out of the game, it's it's Tommy there, and, and D.C. goes in defensively to center. But there's other options that we're also talking about. So um, we'll explore them over the next couple of weeks and then feel a lot better about it. 
as we break. Edmund continues to be a little bit banged up. There's still no guarantee that he's going to be available for opening day. They're hopeful that that uh, that he's going to be cleared and ready to go, but it certainly is not a guarantee. So if he's not on the roster, Mason Wynn's not going to play every single inning at shortstop. They still need to figure out who can play shortstop beyond Wynn and Edmund. That's the conversation right now is who else can do it and is it in a pinch or can you stick them out there for weeks at a time and feel comfortable with it and just understanding what it looks like. But we have an opportunity to do that over the next couple of weeks. And specifically to the Edmonds situation, there's still not much of a timeline on uh, the rehab process and when he might be cleared. We'll see how he progresses. I mean, we've yet to play games. We're just getting started. We'll see how he kind of reacts to the next couple weeks of uh, his progression that AO and the guys have for him, and then we'll see where we're at at that point. Let's talk a little bit about Jordan Walker. Obviously, he's a big part of this team, and everybody's looking forward to him taking another step forward this year. From an offensive standpoint, Marmel's really happy with his approach at the plate. He's been really diligent with um, staying more closed, not spinning as much, and kind of coming around the ball, pull side, being able to stay on the pitch on the outer half the other way. Um, and hit that ball with more authority. Uh, this guy's got unbelievable power. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but he's been working with Turner on just staying on the baseball a little bit more. So if you watch his BP, if you watch his, just his overall work, there's an emphasis on that. So just carrying that into the game. It won't happen overnight, but it's something we want him to get more and more comfortable with. From a defensive standpoint, and at times it wasn't great for Walker in the outfield, they are certainly expecting a defensive step forward from him. If you look at the change we made when he went from left to right, his numbers were significant. I mean, night and day. Um, so he's more comfortable there, and it, he spent the entire winter working on it. Um, I just think he's going to play with more confidence based on the reps. And for him, it's just getting out there more and more. The, the deeper we went into the season, the more comfortable he got. Um, so a full winner of the workload that he's he's done is going to be a key to this. So for me, it's just running him out there and continuing to let him get reps. Yeah. And as much work as he has done all offseason long to get better defensively, Marmel says spring training games are really what's needed to be able to show Walker's defensive improvement. At the speed of a game, yeah, you can say, I mean, you, you can try, but at the end of the day, when you put a crowd out there and game situation and having to hit the cut and do the, the little things, that's where it's going to get tested. Um, but I really do feel like what he's done over the last several months will allow him to play with more confidence, but also slow the game down. And that's, he's athletic enough. He, to play the position at a really good level. So it's a matter of slowing it down so that his athleticism actually comes into play. Comments from Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. We'll take a break and have more in a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King MOX. We roll on with the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. You can register now for the 2024 Cardinals 5K. It's taking place on April 13th. All participants will receive an exclusive T-shirt. It's a really good-looking T-shirt. Finisher's medallion featuring Willie McGee, plus the opportunity to take a victory lap around Bush Stadium's warning track, 
Proceeds benefit Cardinals Care. Sign up now at cardinals.com slash 5K. So full squad workouts do continue here in Jupiter. The full squad had the report date earlier in the week. That included Paul Goldschmidt, who did spend some time speaking with the media. Wanted to play back uh, some of what uh, he had to say. Thought uh, it was notable first and foremost. He made it very clear that this club still has very high expectations. Every year is different for sure. And... Um... We want to go out there and play well, and I don't think this year is any different. Every team, regardless of the previous year, you know, you start with no wins, no losses, so um, you got to come out here and, and earn every win. And um, so, in that standpoint, it's, it's very, very similar, and every team's in the same same boat. So we'll try to prepare this spring training, be ready for opening day and for the long season, play well. For Goldschmidt, as he always does, he went through an off-season regimen that uh, he put a lot of work in and as always went back and kind of analyzed his swing. There was some uh, videos on social media with him at uh, Driveline that uh, sternly went viral. I asked him whether or not uh, he enjoys the process of kind of reanalyzing his swing on an every year basis. Uh, Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So um, yeah, I mean, there's always a challenge and trying to figure that out. I mean, yeah, it is it is fun to see what's possible. It takes a lot of work, but, I mean, that's what we signed up for. And um, it's really no different than any offseason. Always kind of go in, you come up with a game plan. Here's things I did well. Let's try to do that again and things I think I can improve on and, um, you know, try to find ways to keep getting better and new perspectives and things like that. So, kind of used to it now doing it and uh you know i think the end goal is really fun is trying to be well and and play well in the season help the team win and you'll accomplish more of those team goals and that process is just part of uh trying to get to the end end product i thought this was interesting he's somebody who always likes to talk about everybody else and doesn't so much like to talk about himself and somebody he was very eager to talk about is Matt Carpenter, who is now uh, his uh, his teammate after the Cardinals bring him back to the organization. And Goldschmidt made it really clear that he was very happy that the team did re-sign Carpenter. Well, I'll be honest, I pushed for Carp when he was a free agent for him to come back. I've, I saw the impact he can have on the field, but also off the field. And um, you see a lot of the, the best teams, I always have players like him and, and other players on this roster because they make the people around him better. And uh, that can't always be measured in the stats. I mean, I remember even when I was a young player, even, you know, last few years, you know, a guy may say something on the bench that helps me get a hit or do something on defense. Um, and it just shows up. Maybe it shows up in my column. Where it really, the credit goes to them. So I think Carp's one of those players. We got a lot of guys on this roster that's like that. And, and that's kind of how we can make each other better and uh, make this whole team better. And while there certainly is an expectation that Carpenter is going to be able to produce and come up with some big hits and things like that, his impact, according to Goldschmidt, is going to be felt throughout the team as uh, Goldschmidt really believes that Carpenter is going to make everyone better. I think it benefits everyone. I mean, I'll, I'll really rely on him and, and talk to him a lot. Hey, what do you see with my swing or this pitcher? What about on defense? What about this situation? But, yeah, I mean, I remember my first few years in the league, I think a lot of credit goes to the veteran guys we had when I was in Arizona because they made that they sped up that learning curve a lot, and it would be a, hey, you know, if you get in this situation, you know, here's what I what I would do. And so there's stuff that, you know, mistakes that I would have made that then I didn't make. And uh, a lot of that credit, like I said, goes to those those veteran players and, 
it might even be just something simple as, you know, after a, a struggling day and saying, hey, it's okay, you got this, and just now you're going to the ballpark, you know, with confidence, and that's that's the biggest thing. And so having guys like that, you know, they provide some consistency and can really help the players around them. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with Matt Carpenter and his role on the team. Oliver Marmel was asked about that role earlier in the week. He said uh, he'll get a little bit of time at first base. He'll get some time as a DH as well and obviously be a bat that's coming off the bench. they got a lot of guys who can play first base, and you've got somebody who plays there almost every day already in Paul Goldschmidt. But uh, if a Lugan Baker makes the team, he can play first base. Alec Burleson can play first base. Matt Carpenter can play first base. There's other guys on the roster you would feel comfortable putting over there. So uh, right now, the uh, the roster, and pretty much no matter how the final alignment looks, it's going to be a roster that has uh, a number of guys who can play over there at first base. All right, that is it for hour number one of the program. We have much, much more coming up in hour number two. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We're back as we get into hour number two of the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley from Jupiter, Florida and Cardinals Spring Training. The Cardinals open up Grapefruit League play on Saturday. They are going to play a pair of split squad games, and we're going to have one of those games across the Cardinals radio network. So hopefully you are going to be tuned in both Saturday and Sunday. We'll have games across the radio network. Each of those days we'll go through the broadcast schedule a little bit more coming up later on in the program. Theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars Night, Margaritaville Night, Grateful Dead Night, and many more. New for 2024, check out Battlehawks Night and 90s Night for a list of all 2024 theme nights, visit cardinals.com slash theme. I'm going to hand things over to Mike Claiborne. He is standing by with a special guest. It's always good to welcome back Matt Carpenter to the St. Louis Cardinals. And first of all, welcome back, man. Uh, talk, me, talk to me about how you decided this is something you wanted to do. Man, it was it really kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, as, as the offseason was kind of progressing, I knew I wanted to play. Um, I had some, you know, teams reach out and had had uh you know some ideas of maybe where I would end up um after after what had happened uh and you know St. Louis really wasn't on my radar until uh you know I got a phone call from uh Mo and they expressed the interest and kind of what they were thinking and and you know for me I mean it was a no-brainer to be able to come back here and put on this uniform again and be a part of this organization so uh, it all kind of came together, and I'm I'm really happy that it did. How much have things changed from when you first reported here in Jupiter? You know, honestly, not a ton. Um, you know, you come and you walk around, and, you know, you see the kind of the same things and a lot of the same people. I mean, obviously there's some new faces and some new, you know, younger players and all that stuff. There's a little bit of turnover, obviously, in this game with, with when it comes to the roster. But, man, there's a lot of great people here that have been here for a long time, and some of the behind-the-scenes people, they don't get a ton of credit, but um, are kind of one of the reasons why this place has been so good for so long. What did you learn about yourself in the game after you left St. Louis? Because you played in a few other cities since you left St. Louis. What did you learn about yourself? Well, I think, you know, kind of just where my role has kind of, like, changed over the years. Like, you know, obviously spent a lot of time here in St. Louis as an everyday player, and then towards the end of my time here kind of slowly was – you know, positioned more off the bench and, and, 
you know, my career kind of since then has been more of a, you know, platoon type bench player. And, you know, I just think learning your, you, learning your routine and kind of how that goes into, you know, preparing, I think I've, I've kind of been able to do that. I think also, you know, you, you do this for long enough, you know what it takes to get your body ready, to get you, to get your mind right. And, um, but with, with the, it, with the age and experience, you know, comes a lot of, you know, teaching points for that you can you know mentor some younger players that maybe haven't gone through it and that's that's at this point in the career I mean that's really what I enjoy the most is being able to have those conversations and 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 be a be a shoulder for some of these young guys you know you talk about preparation and that's something that we don't talk enough about especially at this point in your career walk me through your process because it's something that you have to kind of play along with the manager and knowing this is a spot I might be in this is a picture I may have to face walk me through that process well, I think more than anything, you just got to continue to get your reps. Um, you know, one thing that I did in New York um, that really helped me uh, was, you know, going in. When you're not playing every day, you're not getting at-bats all the time, um, especially early on while I was there. Uh, you got to find a way to, to stay fresh. And one of the things that I would do is go out to the bullpens and stand in on, on bullpens live pitching so that I could see some balls, make sure you're getting plenty of cage work in, make sure your swing feels good. Um, you know, really being prepared um, from a scouting report um, stamp, stamp, stance and then um, in-game decisions, you know, just being kind of one step ahead of the manager, having a good good feel for, you know, when you're going to be used. Um, part of that is, you know, having good communication with them, um, which uh, me and Ollie have great communication. So I think, uh, you know, just being on top of it. It's a, it's a long season. Lots can happen. You can be thrown into a role, you know, You've got to be prepared to fill a hole at you know any time that it comes. You know, if somebody goes down for three weeks and, and you now all of a sudden you're thrust into a situation where you might be playing a little bit more to help get a guy through an injury, um, you got to be ready for it. You know, I see so many guys do cage work, and I wonder when do you know when you're ready and when do you know the swing is right? Because I've seen guys who can sit in and hit 100 balls, but if their mechanics are bad, they're just continuing to enhance mistakes. No question. I mean, you know, I think that's something that when you're younger, you kind of don't maybe realize. But when you get older, um, that's one thing that, you know, with age, um, you know, comes a little bit of wisdom when it comes to that. Um, there's certainly a there's certainly a fine line between overwork and and and, you know, training bad habits. So you got to be diligent with with your thought process when you're in there. I mean, for me, I, you know, I, I'm way more about quality now than quantity. It's going in there and making sure that you're taking you know, productive swings versus going in there and just getting a workout in. Um, and that's my message to a lot of young players is like, look, you know, the the cage and your routine is a place for work. Um, you know, shouldn't be a lot of searching and cardio, you know, in there. It should be more of a place to, you know, get a game plan together and kind of fine tune things. When you first broke in, who was the person who looked after you that gave you the wisdom and knowledge you want to pass on? Man, I had so many great people that spoke into my life at an early point in my career. And, you know, one is, was did a great job here a few years ago and now is the manager over there, Skip Schumacher. Um, you know, he was he was a guy that really helped me out a ton when I was uh, first coming up. And then, um, you know, some of the, the big names, you know, Yachty and Matt and Holiday and, um, you know, Lance Bergman, Carlos Beltran, all these, you know, superstar players that we had here for many years um, – certainly played a role as well. I'm glad you mentioned Beltron because he was a guy that kind of slipped through the cracks. We talked about great Cardinals over the two years he was here. I mean, when you look back, that those are two very, very good seasons. I mean, we, 
we won the pennant in 13, got to the World <laughs> Series. No question we wouldn't be able to do that without him. And then, um, you know, he was really good for us in 2012 when we, you know, just missed out of another World Series berth that year. I mean, you can't really say enough about what he was able to accomplish here. But for me, I mean, being around a guy like that, even though for, it was a short period, I mean, you just – He's one of those guys that just being around him, I mean, he, he just learned so much. I mean, he, he, he was very um, open and talking about the game. He loved the game, and he was just full of knowledge. I remember he used to make young guys or invite young guys to sit and watch three innings with him doing the game to see what they were talking about and, and pass on what he's seeing. And I, I wonder, does that still go on in the game? It does. Um, you know, obviously times have changed a little bit with the, you know, technology has really you know, you got iPads in the dugout now. You got all this stuff. So, I mean, it's certainly not to the same. I mean, when I first came up, and you know, obviously when Carlos, most I would say majority of his career, all you could, if you were going to learn anything from the game, you had to watch it. Yeah. That was all you could do. Um, if you were going to have any kind of impact or career, you had to be diligent in watching the game. And that's changed a little bit. I wouldn't say it's completely gone, but um, it's certainly a little bit of a lost art that. Hopefully, we'll do a good job of this year. Have you been able to find that balance between the technology and watching the game? And, and you, you've grown up as a baseball player, so you know the game probably the nuance is better than some. But have you been able to figure out that middle ground? Because I see a lot of guys who lean on the technology maybe a little too much. If they only watch the game, they find out they'd be it would be more rewarding for them. No question. I mean, I, and then that's kind of the thing that you know I'm going to be pretty big on for our group this year is you know, paying attention to the game, getting out of the iPad, getting out of the video room, and, and just, you know, getting a – because, I mean, that's really – if we're going to be a great team, that's what we're going to have to do. That's an advantage that we can have as a group um, because not every team across the league is doing that. So um, I, I think that guys will adapt to it, and um, it's just going to make us better in the long run. Final question for Matt Carpenter. As you look at your role on this team, what has been said to you about what you're going to do? I mean, as far as at-bats – how many days you're going to – are you the getaway day guy where we'll see you on Thursdays and Sundays in the lineup, or what's that role going to look like? You know, I think that's, um, you know, something that we'll just have to find out and kind of see how we how it goes. But, you know, I would assume, especially at the you know beginning, being a guy that can, you know, go to first base when Paul needs a day off, um, you know, come at – maybe having have it bat off the bench, giving guys rest um, – certainly going to be in a, in a role where you, you're saving guys legs and trying to keep them fresh um, however that unfolds we'll see but you know my, my focus is you know this collective effort for our group to become the best team we can be so whatever that, whatever I need to do to do that that's going to be that's going to be the main role we'll do one thing have fun this year oh we will, that will certainly be done thank you and good luck thank you that's Clay with Matt Carpenter here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. When we return, we are going to hear from one of the newest pitchers for the Cardinals, reliever Andrew Kittredge. He joins me in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. You are locked in to the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, Matt Pauley, continuing to come your way from Jupiter, Florida. You know, we'd love to see you down here. You can be one of the first fans to catch the Cardinals at spring training here in Jupiter. Cardinals Vacations makes it easy by being your one-stop shop 
for spring training travel. Make your plans today. Call Cardinals Vacations at 800-892-7687 or online at cardinals.com slash vacations. The Cardinals really have remade their bullpen, both from a leverage standpoint and also uh, a lot of the other guys are there's there's five guys who you kind of view as your leverage relievers who probably have jobs locked in. And then there's just a gaggle of guys who are going to be competing for those other three spots. One of the players who's going to be a high leverage reliever, Andrew Kittredge. He was acquired from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for Richie Palacios. I got the chance to uh, talk with him, and I uh, started by just asking him what's been like his experience here early on with his time with the Cardinals. Uh, it's been great so far. Everyone's just been very welcoming and, and friendly um, you know anytime you come to a new spot you kind of just kind of got to get the lay of the land and kind of uh, see how things are run here compared to other places I've been but uh, everything so far has been great. Has it been pretty similar to what you've had previously? Yeah I mean all the all the differences are real minor you know just from like schedule stuff and, and different ways that that other organizations could do things but uh, yeah for the most part everything is is very similar to what I'm used to. It wasn't that long ago that the trade went down. When you find out about that and that you're going to be moving, what are the emotions that go along with that? Um, you know, it was kind of emotional. It took me a couple of days to kind of process everything. But, um, you know, being that I had been in Tampa for seven seasons or, or whatever it was, um, you know, there's definitely some some uh, emotions that come into play. But uh, really once once kind of everything got processed and, and uh, started kind of working on logistics then it just became excitement you know I was uh, I was really looking forward to to getting going with the Cardinals obviously you were an all-star you were pitching high leverage with with Tampa prior to the injury but the Cardinals bring you in and you're immediately in that leverage group in that important inning group does that feel good that they view you and look at you that kind of way yeah I mean those are the innings that you want to be throwing in and and so to kind of have that uh, expectation is nice. I mean, that's that's something that I that I want to be doing anyway. So that's uh, you know, that's the the kind of competing that I want to be doing. So uh, just to have that kind of um, expectation is good, but it also comes with some responsibility. You know, you got to get after it and and bring it every day. The Rays are known as an organization that really helped pitchers kind of become the best version of themselves. What was there a single thing or a single moment with the Rays where something really clicked with you? Um, probably not a single thing. I think it was a kind of a accumulation of a bunch of different little things but um, I definitely uh, benefited tremendously from spending my time with the Rays um, you know from Kyle Snyder to Rick Knapp to you know just a bunch of the pitching minds that they have over there whether it was you know one little thing in my setup or or uh, just a mindset thing you know there, there was so many little things that kind of contributed to getting me where I am now and uh, you know I owe a ton of uh, a ton of gratitude towards the Rays. You've spent a lot of time rehabbing over the last couple of years, but you were able to get back onto the field and pitch at the end of last season. How important was that just for, for nothing else for you to go into a regular offseason? Really important, honestly, and I, I've kind of mentioned that a couple of times where, you know, just getting into games there at the, at the end of last season was so big for me coming off the Tommy John surgery, just from a mental standpoint, you know, getting back into a major league stadium, feeling that adrenaline, feeling that... Um, you know, that kind of uh, atmosphere uh, was just good. Instead of going into a, a whole other offseason without uh, kind of getting on the mound, um, you know, I think that was really important for me. How challenging is it, though, when you miss the amount of time that, that you missed and everything that goes along with that? It's challenging. I mean, I think, you know, as far as the surgery goes now, 
you know, and obviously it is a major surgery and you can't take anything for granted, but you know, the success rate that they have with that now is, is, is such a high number. Um, and so many guys have gone through it. Um, so you, you kind of know what to expect a little bit just because there's a lot of uh, people that you can kind of reference from, but, um, it is a grind, you know, it's, and probably more mental than anything. Um, you know, there's just large, pieces of time where you feel like you, you can't contribute at all to the team you're on and and you don't really feel like you belong at times even so um, you know overcoming that and getting back and being able to, to contribute especially at the end of last year uh, was huge for me not only physically but mentally as well. It feels like the leverage group on this team with Helsley and, and, and Gio and Jojo and Keenan was just brought in it feels like this could be a really special group would you agree with that are you impressed by the other arms you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you look at some of the names in this clubhouse, uh, there's no doubt that there's got to be uh, some optimism there for sure. Um, you know, just knowing what guys are capable of and, and um, um, you know, what they bring to the yard every day. I think I think when you look at this group, you, you would almost assume that it's going to be good. So we just need to, you know, stick to what we know how to do and, and not try to do anything that uh, that we aren't capable of, you know, just stick to our own strengths. And, and I think this group's going to be really good. You obviously weren't part of the team last year, but so much of the storylines and narratives right now going on is bouncing back from, from last season. What are you noticing just in terms of attitude from this team as they do look to really turn things around compared to last season? Well, I think anytime you, you take an organization with such history like this and, and an expectation for winning, um, and then that doesn't happen there, there's almost kind of like this. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say panic. That's not the that's not the word I'm looking for. But this uh, realization, like, hey, we need to we need to be better. We need to change, you know, certain things uh, to start getting back to the to the winning uh, team that we're accustomed to being. So I think there is excitement in that. I think it's more guys just realizing, like, hey, we just need to step back and 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 get back to doing what we do well. Andrew, thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you for having me. That is Andrew Kittredge. We'll take a break. Have more in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network. We're very happy to uh, welcome onto the program one of our favorite people to talk to. You read him uh, in Cardinals Magazine, a big part of uh, Cardinals Publications, uh, senior writer with Cardinals Magazine. It is Stan McNeil. Stan, great to see you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Down here in uh, Florida for spring training. Uh, can't beat that. Busy time for you guys, and I know a new issue of the magazine just released here recently. Yes, uh, it should be out uh, now with uh, Sonny Gray on the cover, our new, new uh, starting pitcher. You guys do things a little bit differently in terms of coverage and really getting into some some interesting stories. And Tennessee is such a, a big part of uh, Cardinals country. Of course, we run this show across the Cardinal Radio Network, so there's people in Tennessee listening right now. But I know you really got into to his hometown as part of who he is uh, as a guy and as a pitcher. Yeah, and you know, instead of we took that that angle in, in terms of talking, to, you know, we felt like that's probably something you're not going to read anywhere else. Is uh, you know, who is this guy, this projected ace of the Cardinal staff? What what made him who he is today? And uh, what better way to do that, at least with Sonny, than kind of go back to his high school days in Smyrna, Tennessee, where uh, he was, uh, he remains a, a legend today. And so there's some some cool, cool anecdotes in there about that. Uh, I can share one here. I'll share the 
I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's uh, it's kind of a light a lighthearted one. Is that uh, after Sonny's senior year of football, after he quarterbacked Smyrna to the high school football the Tennessee State Championship, he uh, volunteered to play the lead role in High School Musical for his drama class, and. Uh, so he's there, and uh, from what uh, most of the people I talked to said, Sonny's not a great singer, but it was still fun to see him to see him out there, putting himself out there on the line like that. And uh, so Sonny, at this time, had already committed to attending Vanderbilt, to playing baseball at Vanderbilt after, after high school. So he invited Tim Corbin, the Vanderbilt coach, to come to the performance and to bring his family. So Corbin did you know they're there he said uh, we probably were a little overdressed for a high school auditorium but they were there and uh halfway through the play or so uh tim said his phone his phone buzzed so we pulled out his phone checked it you know and put it back in his pocket and then uh five seconds later it buzzed again he pulled it out it's sunny gray texting him from the stage saying hey hey coach hey dog pay attention to the play <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Corbin said he immediately showed that to his wife sitting beside him, and she goes, oh, my gosh, he's going to be a good one. Isn't, and uh, sure enough. Isn't it remarkable how he has his eyes on everything? You know, it, it, it is, and how he just seems to be so uh, kind of open, and uh, and the way he goes about his work, the, his bullpens, I think, are, uh, as fans may not get to see them, but uh, they're for uh, fellow pitchers and around the league, they're they're very well known already just for how seriously he treats he treats his bullpens. I know with this issue of the magazine, you guys were able to do some other things with some of the other players that were brought in during the offseason. We were able to get to talk to Lance Lynn, who uh, in his first stint with the with the Cardinals was actually a columnist for Cardinals magazine. So we caught up with Lance and talked about you know uh, him living in uh, Southern Illinois and coming back to uh, St. Louis here towards the end of his career. Are you re-recruiting him to get him back in the pages? We were we were trying. We're trying to do that. Okay. I'm not sure if we're going to be successful, but, uh, you know, Lance, with that dry humor and uh, just the different kind of a different way of uh, looking at things, we, uh, we hope to have him in there. So I think what people should realize about Cardinals Magazine, because we have, we have this amazing group of journalists who, who cover the team on an everyday basis, the, the folks at the Post-Dispatch and MLB.com and The Athletic, so on and so forth. But you guys are able to do things very differently. So people who read the stories in Cardinals Magazine are probably getting a very different story than what you're going to read elsewhere. Uh, we hope so. I mean, that, that is our goal. I mean, for like for Sonny, we like to tell the, the, the journey, a player's journey to, to get to where they are today. And, and uh, you just don't see that. I mean, we're... We're, I think we have the luxury of time, so we're able to talk to more people and, and, and do that. But, uh, yeah, that, that is our goal. That is our, always our objective, to kind of uh, give the reader something they can't get anywhere else. Not, not to take this down, but you were telling me earlier that um, you do something where if uh, somebody who played for the Cardinals passes away, you guys run uh, obits on them. And it's sad to see people pass away, but I think at the same time, Cardinal fans are able to see these names and, and kind of relive the moments that they remember from those individuals. You know, and the, the, the remarkable thing about doing the, the obituaries is just everyone, like I believe there were 25 former Cardinals who passed away in 2023, and every one of them, you know, has a unique journey and, and usually very, very interesting journey. So it, it's just uh, great to be able to kind of let people know that, you know, remember this person and the, the, they – 
they might have passed. They might not have made an impact on the Cardinals in 50 years, but 50 years ago, they, they were here, and uh, they, they had a, a, made their own impact at the time. You're here. Other staff members have, uh, have been down here. What are you guys working on during spring training? Uh, well, we're, we're gearing up for issue one, which will come out right after the season begins, right, after, right as the home opener approaches. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jordan Walker. We'll look to see what Jordan Walker is uh, expecting for his second year in the majors. And uh, we'll t- kind of take a look at uh, the farm system and who's coming up in the farm system. And uh, then we'll have some of our our departments, uh, we have Miles Michaelis this year returning as our columnist, and we have uh, another feature we call Passing Through, which looks uh, at a player who, a, kind of a big-name player who uh, spent some time with the Cardinals toward the end of their career. And, and this year, 20 years out from the 2004 season, we're focusing our catching up, which is kind of like a where are they now with former players. The first uh, the first issue was on Tony Womack, and then the next issue will be on Ray King. So okay. it's always fun to catch up with, with those guys and get their perspective on that season and also on the game, you know, as, as time has passed. If people are at games, they can pick up the, uh, the magazine there. But elsewhere than that, if, if somebody wants to subscribe, get it somewhere else, what's the best way to do it? The best way is cardinals.com slash magazine. Go to, the, go to the website, cardinals.com slash magazine, or you can call 314 314- Three, four, five, nine thousand. Either way, either one of those will work great. And now we've got some good specials going now too. Great to see you. Thanks you for doing this. Thank you. That is Stan McNeil. We'll take a break and have more in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Back out on the countdown to opening day show, Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game-used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals. Visit cardinalsauthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. We referenced this earlier, but just want to remind you the Cardinals have revealed the four players who are the modern players nominated for possible induction in the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. Steve Carlton, George Hendrick, Matt Morris, and Edgar Renteria, as far as I'm concerned, all four of those guys can be wearing red jackets. Fans are able to cast their ballots uh, starting on Saturday, February 24th. That is this Saturday, cardinals.com slash HOF. Also wanted to remind you about the broadcast schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, The first radio broadcast is going to be coming up on opening day for uh, the Grapefruit League on Saturday. The Cardinals have a split squad game against the Marlins. That will be across the Cardinals radio network, as will Sunday's game against the Astros. Both those games start at 12.05 Central. Monday is going to be a webcast. Mike Claiborne and myself will I have it for you as they match up against the Marlins. Uh, Tuesday will be a Cardinals Radio Network game. That's going to be against the uh, Red Sox. Wednesday is going to be another webcast. And then uh, Thursday against the Nationals. That's going to be a Cardinal Radio Network game. That's going to take us into the month of March. And next Friday against the uh, Mets, that's going to be a a webcast again available at MLB.com and Cardinals.com. But by that time, we're going to be doing another Countdown to 
opening day show. So we'll talk more about that when we get closer to that date. Mike Claiborne is going to uh, rejoin me in just a moment or so. As always, a reminder for if you miss anything that we do on this program, you can always uh, find it via the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed on uh, the website of our flagship station in St. Louis, KMOX.com or the Odyssey app. Uh, The uh, show is always archived right there so you can check it out for yourself. Mike Claiborne is back with me in just a moment or so. Don't go anywhere. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Back at on the Cardinals Radio Network, it is the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. And, uh, Claibs, it feels like one of the biggest storylines right now for the Cardinals is whether or not Tommy Edmonds is going to be healthy when the season gets started. If he's not healthy, there's a question about who plays center field, but there's also a question about who the backup shortstop is. And I don't know if the Cardinals have a great answer at this point in time. Well, they don't have an answer for the backup shortstop. Dylan Carlson will be your center fielder if Tommy's not ready to go. And I have full confidence in Carlson being able to play center field. Uh, the, the backup shortstop situation is a little bit of a head scratcher right now. Uh, we have some guys here, but I don't know if any of them have stood out. You know, we had Vermeen last year that we saw, and they've got a couple other guys that they're going to take a look at. But for those who think, well, what happens if Mason Wynn doesn't hit? You know, I don't really care if he hits or not. I mean, I'd like for him to hit, obviously. And, and if you look at his record from a minor league standpoint, he's hit at every level. When you have to worry about your shortstop hitting, you probably have bigger problems with your ball club. So I'm not really worried about that, but we do need to have some sort of depth at that position. And the problem is he's not going to play a lot. I think Mason Wynn's going to play hella high water, whether he's got a 10-game hitting streak or gone hitless for 10 games. He's going to play every day. He's too young not to play him. But you do need some depth, but you also need somebody from the right side that can swing the bat. You think about right now, if you look at the roster, Luke and Baker is the only right-handed bat that we have in the organization with any big league experience. Now, you obviously have Carlson and Edmund who can switch it, but we don't have a right-handed bat. And Luke and Baker in his first year, he, he struggled a little bit, just much, much like Mason Wynn did. And maybe he comes around, and I'm of the belief that the best thing to happen to both those guys, they got a taste of action last year to be able to go into the winter and know what they need to do in order to be consistent. It's pretty incredible that you do see guys who get that final month of the season in the big leagues, and they're just different guys. It's I'm sure these hitting coaches are telling them things in the minors, but it, it, sometimes it takes them experiencing that adversity at the major league level for them to start putting those tweaks in. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. You can be in the cage all winter, okay? I mean, these guys are hit happy, but you still have to get out and face somebody else who's throwing you something with movement, throwing you something that's going to make your eye level change, and it's nothing like playing the game. And it's going to take time. I mean, it, very few guys fall out of bed being able to hit in the big leagues. They have to have their highs and lows, and that comes with the territory. So I'm of the belief with, with both, certainly with Wynn, because he's proven everywhere he's been able to hit. And we saw what Baker did on a minor league level, that maybe they can turn that corner because they have some at-bats under their belt and, and, and have more confidence. I think confidence is bigger than anything else. If Luke and Baker makes the team, you got some thunder off the bench. Right now, this team doesn't have a lot of power when you think about bench players. Oh, you're right. And that's something that they're going to need because, let's face it, if he's in the game, late in the game, he's looking to drive the ball. 
okay? And obviously, you like to see him hit for more power, but you're looking for a guy who can put the ball in play and not just be a walking out. And that's something you have to be careful of because he's going to normally face the other team's best reliever. So you have to make sure you have a guy that's going to give you a chance to be able to put it in play. A lot has been made about Matt Carpenter's position on this team. We've spent so much time talking about his role in the clubhouse and, and being a leader, but he's got to contribute on the field. And yeah. Oliver Marmel was asked about that this past week. He said he'll get some games at DH, he'll get some games at first base, and that's kind of the plan for him right now. you got a lot of guys on this roster. You will see if Burleson's there, if Baker's there, Goldschmidt's there. There's a lot of guys who can play first base. You know what? We, we, I'm going to call <laughs> Matt Carpenter getaway guy because he'll probably play on Thursdays and Sundays on getaway days, and uh, we'll see what he can do. Uh, it's one thing to be a leader, but it's another thing to be a guy who can contribute because you can be a leader or be, because of your age, but if you're not contributing, then what good are you? Yeah. And I think it's important for him to get off to a better start. You have to remember, his last year here, he hit, what, 167? He had the one good year with the Yankees, and then he went to San Diego and he hit, like, 170. So he's got to find a way to be more relevant with the bat in his hand compared to just being the clubhouse guy who's being a leader. I mean, leaders lead by example, and I think he's got to find a way to be able to do that. And I guess we're going to have to wait and see because uh, if he doesn't, I'm not sure if there's any value there. Well, Paul Goldschmidt talked about this past week when he met with the media, and he said one of the things he's most looking forward to is being able to throw things off of Carpenter, having Carpenter look at his swing. I know you've got coaches who that's their job description, but there does seem to be this belief that Carpenter is going to help lift up everybody else. No, that's a good point you make. And I I think because of guys who have been in the game or still playing, they see things a little differently than maybe a coach would because a coach, you have to remember, coaches have to manage – a bunch of guys, you know, and and obviously you have to pay attention to them. But when you have a player who's in, of your level in the game, he can see things that maybe coaches haven't had a chance to pay as close attention to. So I, I think he'll be helpful from that standpoint. Grapefruit League play begins on Saturday. I can't wait. They're playing a split squad game, so there's going to be two games going on. Let me know how that game turns out up in Port St. Lucie. <laughs> John Rooney sitting next to us, he's going to have to be ready for a player number 70 on the roster because, I mean, they, they are going to use everybody on Saturday. All hands on deck this weekend. And it's kind of odd that you would start your spring training season with a split squad. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. But if your guy is trying to have somebody pay attention to you, it's not a bad way to go about it. But, uh, yeah, let me know how things work out in Port St. Lucie. Well, we've talked about it that they're going to cut down – the, the minor league guys out of this camp probably sooner than later. You've talked so much about how you want to see guys playing longer into games. This first week, this is going to be the chance for some of these guys to really make an impression on the Cardinals. Yeah, and you know, I think from a pitching standpoint, it's even more important because they have a lot of guys who are right on the cusp of being paid more attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, O'Brien is a guy that everybody's kind of looking at. Wilking Rodriguez, who we saw walk through the clubhouse all season and never threw a pitch, he was pretty electric yesterday. He threw some nasty stuff. So there's some guys who are right there on that level of saying, all right, let's, let's look at this guy and see where he fits in within the organization. So I think from a pitching standpoint, it's very important. I think if you're a positional player, there's just not a lot of room at the end. 
unless you can hit for power from the right side. I think everything else is pretty much set where you have Herrera, you have Burleson, you have Carpenter. Those are three guys that you know are going to be on the ball club. And then that fourth guy, who, who might that be? Is it Baker? Is it somebody else that we're not talking about? Uh, so you have to think about it along that frame. Uh, who can be seen and heard and effective, not just at the beginning of the spring? Because remember, Matt, a lot of these guys, they're just throwing fastballs. You know, so you can sit on fastballs all day, and these guys, but then when they start flipping the other stuff up late in the spring, that's who you're going to separate the men from the boys. You mentioned Wilkie and Rodriguez. Sometimes you can read between the lines on things. Every day when there's a bunch of live BPs going on, you'll have that top group of hitters with Arenado and Goldschmidt and Newt Barr and Contreras and that group, and you generally have top pitchers throwing to those guys. They put Wilkin Rodriguez in that group yeah. very specifically, and that tells you they're looking to give this guy every opportunity to show who he is. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those situations where you're saying, make us not like you. Yeah. And, and I think he's in that position because, again, we saw him all year just walking through the clubhouse because he couldn't play because he was injured. Now he's healthy, and uh, he comes with very good credentials. Uh, and like I said, yesterday watching him throw, I was like, okay. I know it's early, but he kind of caught my eye, and I know he caught the hitter's eye, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, and it's important for him to get off on the right foot early. I want to wrap up by throwing this off of you. I, I saw this earlier in the week and thought it was kind of funny. The Cleveland Guardians pushed back their first pitch on opening day by two hours because there's going to be a, uh, a solar eclipse that day, and they're worried about all the people who are coming to downtown Cleveland to look at the eclipse would impact the uh, would impact the game and being able to get fans in the stadium. Can you imagine a world where a baseball game at St. Louis gets pushed back by an eclipse? Well, as long <laughs> as it's not the home opener, you know. I get it. I just don't understand it. Yeah, you know I mean, and and I get it. It, it could be a, it could be a distraction. But what guy sitting in his office came up with this and said, "Hey, you, we better think about when we start the game." I wouldn't have thought about it that way. The streets of Cleveland being overrun by sun watchers. Yeah, well, it's Cleveland, so I think that says you all go. you need to know. Claims, um, next time we talk next week, games are going to be uh, in the book. We will have something to talk about yeah. as far as who we saw and who's doing well and who's somebody we're looking forward to seeing. It's going to be a fun spring for sure. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network.